When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I have walked a great while over the snow, and I am not tall nor strong. My clothes are wet, and my teeth are set, and the way was hard and long. I have wandered over the fruitful earth, but I never came here before. Oh, lift me over the threshold, and let me in at the door. The cutting wind is a cruel foe. I dare not stand in the blast. My hands are stone, and my voice a groan, and the worst of death is past. I am but a little maiden still. My little white feet are sore. Oh, lift me over the threshold, and let me in at the door. Her voice was the voice that women have, who plead for their heart's desire. She came, she came, and the quivering flame sunk and died in the fire. It was never lit again on my hearth, since I hurried across the floor, to lift her over the threshold and let her in at the door. The Witch by Mary Elizabeth Coleridge was published in 1893, so significantly past the era of burnings and huntings like our last witch-based extra by Robert Herrick. Instead, it's Victorian, which, you all know, wasn't without its superstitions, but at least they didn't quite still believe in witchcraft. Mary Elizabeth was the great-great-grandniece of Samuel Taylor Coleridge, he of Kublai Khan fame and massive drug habits. I was initially going to read a different poem for this last week, The Ballad of the Fairy Thorn Tree by Dora Seegerson Shorter, which is a bit more just woo-woo and spooky about a woman reuniting with her dead lover. But realistically, I had to go with The Witch because it's playing with themes that have piqued my interest for years. Many years ago, I was reading a collection of Nordic folk tales. It's literally, I have the book in front of me. It's literally called Folk Tales of Norway, edited by Rydar Christensen, translated by Pat Shaw Iverson, and forward by Richard M. Dorson. I bought it used at a bookstore in Portland, Oregon, so you're probably not going to find it, just to let you know. It's dryly written, and not like the Brothers Grimm, but more of a short summation of beliefs, like a list. One of them was titled, The Plague as an Old Hag is Ferried Across a River, and the story is exactly as it sounds. Basically, an old woman roams the Norwegian countryside carrying a rake and a broom. If she uses her rake, some people survive her plague. Presumably, they make it through the tines. If she uses her broom, everyone is swept clean of the farm. It made me immediately ask, what the fuck? Why on earth is a plague being represented by an old woman cleaning? That's one of the most sexist things I've ever heard. I've since become fairly obsessed with folklore about deadly witches and hags, and that explains the switch to this week's subject. 
For the first two stanzas of The Witch by Coleridge, I waffled between two distinct feelings. That the narrator was the witch, and we were going to see her narrate something she was about to do to someone once she got over the threshold. Or that it was a non-witch person walking through the snow about to knock on a witch's door, slightly more like Hansel and Gretel. I never expected that the poem would be set up as a person recounting what a witch had said to them before that person became her victim. But it's curious to me to see all the details of Victorian superstition come to play in this poem. We know now that being cold and in wet clothes won't actually make you sick or susceptible to disease. It's uncomfortable, and you might catch hypothermia, but you can't catch a virus simply from having wet clothing or standing in the wind. But, you know, Victorian times. The witch is also shouting through a closed door, telling the listener that I am a maiden, I have little feet, I'm a female and diminutive and therefore pose no threat to you. And in fact, now that I've been binging Victoria from Masterpiece Theater, I also know that she was little and notoriously had small feet, so maybe they're getting at something here. But in the third stanza, we know that she's not a child, which is what I had initially thought when I saw little white feet, but rather that she had the voice that women have who plead for their heart's desire. This is sexualized and yearning, and suddenly we have a whole different image of the woman on the outside. She's adult, she's passionate, she's burning, and she's desirous. The poem reminded me of Plague Witches when the witch says, The worst of death is past. Is she telling the homeowner that she's the bringer of plague and not to worry? Is the witch saying the death will be easy compared to what the homeowner has already been through? In the Nordic Plague Witch story, it ends by the witch saying to a ferryman, I can't promise to spare you, but I can promise one thing. If I must take you, you shall have an easy death. What's funny to me is that while I was researching this, I read one analysis that was adamant that the listener or the homeowner was male, despite the fact that the poet is female and the poem never says what gender the recounter is. And frankly, the only information we get about the person encountering the witch is at their home and they have a fire in the hearth. Could have easily been a woman, but I guess no woman could just pick up another small person in Victorian times. I absolutely love this poem, and the frightening twist of the threat of the witch, and also the fact that it's a new entry into my mental database of plague witches. If you have any other suggestions for works, give me a shout on Twitter or visit the website to contact me. I'd love to hear more. Happy Halloween, lit witches!